Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. We're at the Oval. First day's play is done, uh, although not for Ben Stokes, because he's still sprinting up and down the outfield, having only made 20 runs today. His, his work is never done. <laughs> I mean, Stokes is just extraordinary. When I was here for the practice on Tuesday, you know, he bowled in the nets. He bowled in practice on the outfield on a, on a prepared strip. He batted, and then he went for, for various runs. And, and that was a... Two days after the Old Trafford Test match, where he's supposed to have a shoulder injury, and he's still out there now doing sprint training. I think with Phil Scott, the England trainer. I mean, the work he puts in is just extraordinary. He didn't have a great day today. I don't think England did either. Two seventy-one for eight. Did Australia well, have a great day? Well, I was very surprised that they put England in. Actually, to be honest, I thought it was a good batting day. I know it was a bit clammy overhead and stuff, but the pitch looked pretty dry. Uh, I thought it was going to turn later, so you you want to be bowling fourth, the last. So I was very surprised that Australia decided to bowl first. I mean, 271 for eight is a nothing score. Mm. It would have been a lot less, but for Josh Butler. Yeah, I mean, England batted fine, weren't they, for a while. 170 for three. It looks as if they were making the most of being put in on the first day, You know, making use of a first-day pitch, and then another collapse fragile middle order and Joss Butler rescued them he actually played I thought this evening as he should have played at the end of the first innings at Old Trafford and if I know it's their big ifs if he'd played like that with Jack Leach and trusted Leach and been judicious then England might have been able to bat for an extra half an hour 45 minutes in that first innings get another 20 or 30 runs which would have delayed Australia's second innings delayed the game and possibly, who knows, giving England a chance of saving the game because it did get very tight on that last day. I, I'm not being um, 
though, he, I mean, he played some pretty expansive shots today. But I, I, you but know, the, the thing is, he, they came off, whereas at Old Trafford, he missed a straight one and got bowled. Well, I, yeah, but I thought the ball he took on at Old Trafford wasn't the ball to take on. I mean, there, there, there was one today that was short and he pulled it away for six. Well, you know, that, that was in his hitting zone. And there was another one today where he had a huge mo at one. It went over the middle stump. It looked, it looked hideous. And you think, well, you, you're actually good enough not to do that. You don't need to do that. You can you can hit judiciously if it's in, if it's right up there, bang it back over the bowler's head. If it's short, pull it away. So anyway, that's what I felt at the time, and I said it at the time. And later in the game, of course, England, you know, they were about three quarters of an hour from from saving that match at Old Trafford. It's just it's just those mm. small things. But Butler actually said a really interesting thing in his post match interview. Saying that it's been a, he said it was actually fun to go out and enjoy myself today. Um, it's been a really hard summer. It's been tough. You know, it's, it's been relentless for the batsmen. And he also said as well that after playing at Old Trafford and the intensity of that final day for everyone, it was, it was, I think he said it's quite difficult for both sides to get themselves mm. up. I mean, Australia desperate to win the series. England desperate to, you know, to make it 2-2, not lose 3-1. And it, but whatever you say, whatever you say in the, you know, in the changing room and leading, leading into a day's play, it, it's not easy having that intensity. When I was here for the practice on Tuesday, I, I felt the lack of intensity there a bit with the practice. One or two players who are obviously under the pump, like Jason Roy, for instance, working hard. But a lot of them were sort of going through the motions and some of them didn't even come. It was an optional practice mm-hmm. on Tuesday, which is unusual two days out before a test match. But the, no, there was no butler, for instance. He, he didn't turn up. I mean, he was just allowed to, to have a day off, which I'm sure he deserved. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so, so difficult. And actually, although, it, of course, it's been a very intense summer... And that's partly the, the amount of cricket and the, the, the things that are at stake, the, the fact that it's the World Cup and the Ashes and so on. I also think with the England batsmen, they've had it really tough because of the incredibly relentless accuracy mm. of the Australians. Now, I was in the, uh, the Hawkeye truck for a bit today looking at uh, pitch maps and consistencies of lengths and so on, and those two bowlers, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood, have dug a trench on a full length, just short of a half volley, just between good length and full length throughout the series. Mm. They've banged away on that length. So that, you know, there must be little dints and a, a sort of almost a dinner plate-sized area which they've just kept on relentlessly targeting. And it's the area that's taken most of the wickets. The batsmen not very happy about getting forward or not certain about how to play that particular length, getting either bold or caught behind or LBW, those three modes of dismissal. That, in a way, is, is relentless as well. That, that, that mentally eats away at you. Mm. And you look at someone like Root today, just I, I don't know how he was... He thought he was going to get runs because if they kept on hitting that length, you can't score. Those sorts of speeds, with those sorts of heights, with a ball that does a little bit off the seam, the bounce was just a tiny bit inconsistent. It's really tough. Yeah, and you've got a captain side as well. You know, you're thinking about everybody else, and you're thinking about your own game, and you're struggling as a team, and your your batting is under pressure as well. It is tough being a and Ashley's I, I felt uh, for, for Root a bit, and you know, I know he was dropped three times, a couple of not very good shots, and one uh, where you know probably Steve Smith would have caught that. I don't know, five, four or five out of ten maybe. But you know, he had to try and score somehow because that's what batsmen need to do. They need to make runs, and I felt that you know the the the, the, the effort that he put in Root was going to finish him off because. 
you, you know, you can, you've only got so much to give. And he had to concentrate every ball to keep it out. And in the end, OK, he got a ball which probably kept a bit low. But it, I couldn't see him getting beyond 70 because mm. he, he'd expended so much mentally energy getting that far. Yeah. What about how Australia bowled at the, the start of the day's play? I mean, they, they uh, I don't know whether they're... Shoulders would have collectively have sunk. Sack, sunk yes, when, yeah. when when the captain said, "Oh yeah, we're going to be bowling mm. first after they bowled on the on the final day at Old Trafford." And then you know they've taken a, a, you know almost the distance mm. uh, by England. Whether they thought, "Oh no, please, please just win the toss and and you know bat first. Uh, whether that was a reaction to that, I don't know. It, it, I suspect it probably was, and it, it, in a way, it was a, it was a really flawed day's cricket mm. uh, yeah. all round. The, you know, the, the drop catching from Australia, yeah. for example, three, you know three drops. Uh, and the bowling bit substandard to start with, and I think they they worked out at lunchtime. They bowled a bit too short, and they bowled a bit fuller and a bit tighter in the in the afternoon. They they got their rewards. Australia they, they gradually sort of got into the day's play, and then they obviously clearly were frustrated with the way Butler was able to extend England's first inning score to, towards the end of the day's play. I mean, two seventy one for eight. Do you? I mean, you're, you're sort of in the game, aren't you? Mm. The Test match here last year. England, India, okay, India a bit, a bit more fragile than, than Australia. At the end of the first day, England were 198 for seven at the end of the first day, full 90 overs. It was a real struggle here in the, the first mm. innings last year. I'm not saying, you know, conditions not always the same. It was the same, similar type of time of year. Pitch probably reasonably similar as well. Um, and England, on the second day, managed to get up to about 3.30. And ultimately, they, they won the game. They got a small first innings lead and then were able to put on the pressure on India in their, in their second innings. So, you know, if Smith gets in, then 270 would be mm. a very skinny score. But, you know, if he doesn't, if they can find a way, if, I mean, if they can find a way to get him out, you, you feel England are still in the game because Australia have to bat last. Yeah, I, I, it's a pitch that I don't think you're ever in on. Mm. So I think easily that England could at least reduce Australia to, to par, maybe get a, a small lead. If they get Smith out, I, I, my prediction is if they get Smith out, they'll get a lead. If they don't get him out for, say, under 80, yeah. Australia will get a lead. And that's been the, the story of the, season, the series, really. Is Smith is the, is the difference, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I was disappointed in Joe Denley. And, I mean, when you're looking... So we've, we asked you, listeners, the other day to send in your ideas for who should open and who should open the bowling and the batting for England. And we've had quite a few replies, actually, so, so thank you very much for that. Most of them are suggesting... Dominic Sibley or Zach Crawley, possibly. Uh, one or two saying Chris Dent from Gloucestershire. But I wouldn't persevere with Joe Denley. He's played OK in, in the series, but he's still making the same mistakes. And what you want to see from a batsman is them progressing, is them advancing, is them improving. And definitely Rory Burns has. Mm. You know, He made 100 at the beginning of the series. It was a little bit lucky, but he, he gussed it out and he got 100 and he, and he played in the end, pretty well. But he had some problems against the short ball during the other test matches, which he seems to have not exactly completely conquered, but at least dealt with in a, in a slightly more secure way. Uh, there's still a question mark over it, but he seems he looks a little bit more comfortable. Joe Denley still, to me, is chasing wide balls, ducking out of the way of short balls and not looking at them. He's no different a player from what he was at the start. Mm. Well, I think particularly disappointing dismissal today, just pushing at a ball he could easily have, have left. What, what, what was he going to get from that ball? Yeah, and he'd already had a, a rash drive at one and sliced it before wide of gully but in the air, and that was a bit lucky, and then he just tried to do the same thing and, and got out. So 
he doesn't look uh, uh, he doesn't look the answer to me. He doesn't look secure. So I think it's time that England went with one of your suggestions there, with either Dent or with Sibley or Zach Crawley. Yeah. Well, Chris Dent has been playing, has been scoring quite consistently for for several years, but he's been he's 28 and he's been playing in the second division. And the thing is, the selectors will have seen all these players, won't they? They they will have had they'll have a big file on all the, all these players. They'll have watched them. They'll have, they'll know their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, so you know, it's, it's no surprise that someone. It's no surprise, really, if you're playing, if you're just playing second division cricket like Chris Dent, even though he scored reasonably, reasonably fluently over the years. It's no surprise that he's not really been mentioned. You look at the Lions team, um, and some of the people you, you know, talking about here, you know, have been, you know, Crawley and Sibley, uh, you know, have played for the Lions. So it's clear that the selects are looking at that, that sort of tranche of, of players. You know, it's when New Zealand comes around, and they'll have to make a call. Do they say right, Joe Denley? Thanks, but no thanks, and we need to go to a, a you know a new generation. I mean, it sounds harsh, and, and you know, he's battled his way through this series, but he's played really well at times, but also looked very you know looked yeah. very fallible at times. It's as well. It was interesting watching him in the nets on Tuesday, actually next to Jason Roy, who just looks very stiff and sort of stabs mm. at the ball, whereas Joe Denley has yeah. got rhythm and, and touch. Yeah. You know, he has got a more uh, balanced sort of game, but. He just keeps making the same mistakes. Mm. So, you know, if you're 33, if you're 23, you might say, well, you know, give him a bit more time. But he's 33. Well, well also, the other thing about being 23 rather than 33 is you can, you can play, uh, learn a bit, fail, get dropped and have time to come back. Whereas at 33, it's, it's, mm. it's sort of all or nothing, isn't it? It's, it's got to work for you. And you know, these averages in the, in the 20s, I mean, he's another, another England opener whose average is in the 20s. So what about uh, England today? The other batsman, Bairstow, didn't look great. He's another one who seems to be still trying to drive balls which aren't there for the drive. I must admit, I give a bit of credit to the bowlers who keep tempting him with those balls which aren't quite full enough to drive. But uh, he doesn't look he doesn't look right, does he? And I think he's averaging only about 20 over the last two years with the bat, which is you know very disappointing for a guy of his ability. It's, it's in the end... If he doesn't make runs in the second innings, I, I, he could miss out on, on test matches in future. They'll still pick him in the one-day side, but maybe it's time for Ben Folks. Mm. Well, Folks is obviously in the wings, isn't he, ready to, to, to come in and, and try and take his opportunity. Uh, I think probably the biggest disappointment England collectively will feel today is that, they, that Mitch Marsh got... Four wickets. They wouldn't have factored that in this morning. No. You think, oh, Mitch Marsh is playing. I mean, you know, you obviously have to respect an opponent, but he wouldn't have been the opponent that would would have been sort of prominent in terms of the, the, the chief threat that was coming their way today. No, that's right. He swung the ball, actually. Yeah, he did. Both ways, and, and you know, probably deserved his wickets, really, by probing away on a full length. Uh, Sam Curran, number seven, he's not a test number seven. No. You know, he's talented, but that was a, a tall order, really, coming in when England were rocking a little bit. He hit his third ball for a fantastic, spectacular six over deep, long leg. But after that, he should have been out the next ball. Uh, obviously, massive appeal, LBW def- decision. Then it turned out that uh, Pat Cummins had overstepped, which caused the biggest roar of the day. Uh, but he just didn't look as if he had permanence to me. I mean, he, you know, he'll hit a few. Mm. Uh, I like him. I like him as a cricketer. But at the moment, he's not a test number seven. Well, it all, all comes down to what we've been talking about for quite a long time, is, is what, what is he? 
That, that, yes. you know, what is he as a cricketer? He's only he's 21. Is he a, a, a bowler who, who bats a bit? Is he a bowling all-rounder? Is he, is he going to be a batting all-rounder? Is he ready to... to I think st- he's going to be a batting all-rounder. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds a bit sort of picky to say he's more of a test number eight at the moment, but just think you want that top seven to be, you know, to, I suppose, looking at Australia's great side of the 1990s and 2000s, Adam Gilchrist came in at seven. Mm. Now, you, you know, there's very few of them around, but you want someone who can average 35-ish, don't you? 30 to 35. So, actually, Australia's number seven, Tim Payne, isn't great. But, you know, especially with England's fragility at the top of the order, they need somebody at number seven who can can really bolster the innings and someone like Ben Folks. Yeah. And but is he a frontline bowler? That that at mm. test level. That's yeah. the, that's the thing, isn't he? So if you're batting him at sort of eight nine, yeah. he's got to be one of your main line bowlers, but he isn't probably isn't quite that at the moment either. So it's not quite wishful thinking because actually he was the man of the summer. He was the man of the series last, last summer. He had a fantastic time against Indy, but he was coming in lower down the order and actually his style of batting Attacking play at eight nine was yeah, was worked. coming off, yeah. and the bowling actually okay. He, he did take important wickets, but it, they, he was very much the fourth member of the attack rather than the third. Saying definitely, you know, definitely not the first or second. So that that's the issue they've got with with Sam Curran. Really, really talented. You, you almost want to fast forward about three years and, and have, have Sam Curran of what you hope will be in, in three or four years' time. Have him now. Mm. So, um, 271 for eight after the first day. Do we think it'll go to Monday? Uh, if you've got a ticket for Monday... 21 I, quid, I, apparently. Is it? Well, you haven't splashed out too much, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that confident about it going to Monday. I, I certainly don't think it's going to be a draw. Not unless Steve Smith gets 500. <laughs> he needs 300, doesn't he? 303 to, 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 to equal Don Bradman. Bradman, yeah. 974 yeah. in 1930. What a series that must have been. Actually, Sky did a very good sequence this morning, uh, pre-match, of sort of mixing Bradman images with Smith images. And there are an incredible amount, an uncanny amount of similarities in the way that they play and, and some of their records, actually. Um, so the other thing I just thought I'd mention tonight is I did ask a few of you uh, readers and Twitter followers, listeners, to send in your stories about watching the final day of Headingley and where you were. And there's some great stories about... There was a one guy who's on a ferry on the Bosphorus and watching the game on his phone. And when Stokes hit the winning runs, he let out this roar of, of excitement, of ecstasy. And all the Turkish crew on this... The, this ferry thought it was a start of a terrorist attack or something, oh so they all ga- gathered around him and, and kind of ca- caused a bit of commotion. There were lots of stories of people on beaches in Portugal and Bulgaria, some people at Bigbury Bay in Devon who uh, gave up, thought, thinking England was 73 to win one week left, gave up and went for a swim, and then came back and suddenly found you know it was only 10 to win or something. So... Actually, I just think it's it's great the way an event like that brings the country together, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and well, then you know, the, the ripples go around, don't they? Oh, oh they're, they're still there, they're still in. And people say, oh, they're people still start in. gathering yeah, around yeah. the phone. Well, there were the lots of yeah, videos and, and photographs of people yeah. gathering around mobile phones or whatever, listening to the commentary. I like the on story. The I like the story actually of uh, another person who was playing in a match. Because there was a lot of club cricket going on on that Sunday. Some postponed the tea interval, or elongated the tea interval so they could carry on watching. There was one team where the second slip had his phone on the field. So in between balls, the first slip and keeper watched the phone in the second slip's top pocket. Yeah. I don't think many catches were taken that afternoon. I was watching it 
from the back of uh, one of the boxes at Headingley while bringing World Service listeners up to date. And I could only see, while I was sort of doing a, a running commentary, I could actually only see half of the ground because of <laughs> where the point was. So when Ben Stokes hit that six to take him from eight to win to two to win, I had to wait for the reaction from the people who were in the box with me who were jumping up and down cheering. So I assumed it had gone for six. And you could hear, you could hear the crowd roar as well, but you didn't know whether that was the Australian supporters or the England supporters. And there was that sort of that moment where... You, you knew the ball was in the air, and I, then I couldn't see the fielder. I had no idea. So you just had to wait for the crowd reaction and the reaction of the people around me before... I mean, you know, it's a ridiculous way, isn't it? You're actually live on the, on the radio to the, to the world, and mm. yet you, you don't actually know what's happening. Actually, I have to, t- to admit that uh, I once covered for the BBC, but it was only the local BBC. Mm. I covered the 1992 World Cup. I covered a match in Sydney from New Zealand because we had it on the telly, but the problem was, in the days when we had fixed phones, the phone was in a different room from the telly. So I had to get two New Zealanders, in Auckland this is, <laughs> to watch the cricket and tell me what had happened so I could relay it on the phone to the listeners. So I wasn't only not even in the ground or in the same country, but, but I wasn't watching... even in the room where the TV was on. So I doubt if uh, many people were riveted by that bit of reportage. We are really at the Oval today and we're going to be back at the Oval tomorrow where England, there's still two wickets left, I suppose they could get up to 300 and then uh, put Australia in and let let Archer loose. Yeah, well Butler was the, uh, to the fore last year at this stage of the, of the England innings. Uh, with Stuart Broad at the end, he made uh, Butler made 89 last year, and England got around about 330. We, we are going to see Steve, unless we see something miraculous from Butler and, and Leach, we are going to see uh, Steve Smith back tomorrow, and you feel, almost feel that what he comes up with will decide the fate of the match and therefore the series. Well, that hopefully whets your appetite. So we'll say good night as the light gradually fades at the Oval. And Ben Stokes has stopped running on the outfield. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, yes, go to bed, Ben. You're going to have to... Well, you won't, you won't have to bowl tomorrow. Just stand at slip and catch them. Yeah, if they nip them. We'll be back tomorrow to review the second day's play. Goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.